Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. His name is Craig. My wife is playing Christmas music way too loud above my head. Tis the season and really the last show of Bucks in the Basement in this year. We're going to be taking next week off, uh, mainly because I just need a few days. Uh, you know, I, I intend to, to get holly and jolly and stuff myself with cookies. And I'm going to have to put an awful lot of toys together here. And I'm going to need a few days, buddy. And I hope you understand. Oh, I, I definitely understand. You know, as we were talking about beforehand, Christmas is... You know, my favorite time of the year. That's why the kids and the wife got me a full Grinch outfit last year because I don't know if it's the the noise. I don't know if it's just the everybody else is so excited and I and my mind just can't take it. But I mean, you're the Grinch. That's what you are. You're the Grinch. You're miserable when it comes to the holidays, I believe. This is not your thing, is it? No, the holidays are, I, I don't know... I enjoy giving presents, so I, I wouldn't be like the total Grinch, but the the overall experience of the holidays, I don't know. It, it, it's not for me. I, I'll take Thanksgiving. I'll stuff my belly, but the Christmas kind of seems like it goes on for like 20, 30 days, and I just kind of, I, I, I don't know. It's the gift giving. That's the thing. It's going to the store and buying gifts. It's It's trying to get something shipped there on time. I think that's what bothers me the most. That's what I hate the most. I went to the mall this past weekend. I wanted to murder people. I wanted to do actual murder. Like, I, I was so angry with some of the people and how they were driving. I, I was so angry with the just the interaction with other human beings. Like, I'm supposed to be, like, filled with joy. I was filled with with murderous tendencies. Like, I just, like... <laughs> you I just, you, woke, up, you yeah. woke up and you chose violence. Right. I went, I went to a brewery and just started drinking heavily... After the shopping was done because of how much I just despised people and I needed to come down for my hatred. So there was no, there was no joy. There was no holiday spirit. I just, just was so angry at the human race after a day of shopping. And maybe that's what gets me a little bit at the holidays, but now I'm not worried about it. Now I'm just sitting back. I'm relaxing. We're in the middle of a lockout. Not much is going to happen. I am really curious before we get into all the stuff you want to talk about your feelings on the fact that throughout major league baseball, for the last 20 or so days since everything was locked down, there are an awful lot of transactions being made in which pitching, outfield, infield, catchers, all kinds of guys that have potential are floating around and getting picked up on minor league contracts. The Pirates have done nothing. You don't need a 40-man roster spot to pick up a guy in the minors, and you would think there's guys out there that would love a shot at training camp to actually to actually make this team because you would think there's an actual opportunity for jobs on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, they they did, uh, Chris, they did bring in two guys from independent ball. 
I people ask me how I felt about it. I'm like, this really doesn't move the needle for me whatsoever. But is it official? Because I can't even find it on their page. Like, I can go to everybody else's page, and it has all their signings since December the 1st. I got nothing right now when I look up what they've done. Uh, well, the Pirates, you know how they operate with their, their PR department and with the transaction pages. They'll announce it, like, probably, like, you know, two months later or something. But it, it was reported that they signed two guys out of Indy Ball, and they sent them to Pirate City a 25-year-old uh, catcher-slash-outfielder, and then a giant lefty who pretty much neither of these guys caught on with major league teams. And I'm not saying that, like, independent ball guys, it, you can't find stuff there. Uh, but for me, there's guys that are have been signed to these minor league deals that have actually played in the major leagues and would fill up uh, at least some competition going into spring training and and the pirates haven't done that like i said that at some point they're going to sign like albert almora jr to like a minor league deal to compete in the outfield with greg allen and, and anthony alford not that you need much more competition there there's always a lot but like you're saying chris there's guys that you know they may not fill up the 40-man roster but still have a shot of making the 40-man roster and a lot of them have at least some major league experience, not some guy playing for the, the whatever, the barnstormers out in like the middle of Omaha or something. I, right. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's weird to me. It just feels to me like this team, where it is right now, you have so many questions. This is really your last chance. Like, Because I'm to the point here going into this season, I want to start seeing something happen, right? So why not have as much competition, sign some guys that you haven't gotten a look at yet that are in the minors, or that'll take a minor league deal, get him the spring training, and then have that open competition. And if a guy can't make it through spring spring training, who's on the 40-man, well, then I, I guess he's gone, right? I mean, I guess that's how it goes. But then again, maybe they've checked out everybody at this point. I mean, let's think about it. Ben Charrington has really brought on more guys <laughs> into his, his roster, onto his team, than I think any other general manager over the last 18 months. So maybe he's seen everybody he wants to see. I don't know. Yeah, and I know that they're talking about like this being more about the youth movement and some of the players that are down at AAA, you know, pushing their way onto the major league roster. And we've talked about it. We've had, you know, Mike Piersack on here talking about it, the amount of depth they have in the outfield, and a lot of that is guys are gonna start at AAA. You have the pitching staff, which consists of ten to eleven guys competing for you know, the opening day roster with a, a couple possible guarantees uh, if they pitch well, like in a Jose Quintana, Zach Thompson, you know, you could go throw in Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, guys you want to see. But then you look and it's like, okay, well, then the rest of these guys either have to go to the bullpen or they're filling out, you know, the rotation in Indianapolis. You have all the middle infielders. They're obviously not all going to be on the major league roster. So you really, I mean, I don't know if this is a year where he's saying uh, in past years, it's like we need that, like those fillers in AAA. And, and this year we may not just because of some of the guys that pushed their way up finally from, you know, Greensboro, Altoona, like through that, you know, pipeline, our own pipeline up into Indianapolis that he's thinking there's not a need to go out and get so many of those fillers. So why don't we just switch gears here real quick. Joel Hanran is no longer in the organization, and I find this story to be very interesting. 
And I want you to kind of break this down for people because it, it's curious to me. I, I think that's the word. It's the curious case of the Pirates pitching coach that all of a sudden didn't want to be part of their their system anymore. Yeah, and we can go back to the end of the year when you know they started with bringing up all these awards for minor league coaches, minor league players, all different stuff. He was the Danny Murtaugh. He was the coach of the year in the minor leagues. So, I mean, I know there's not like a ton of teams, but even if you take the top, that's like, he's like the top coach out of those 12, plus like anybody that's in the FCL. Like they're basically saying like, you're you're the best guy. We sent Mitch Keller down there for you to fix Mitch Keller because we trust you and we have that faith in you to do this. Well, it comes out on his Twitter handle last week that he's basically leaving the organization, not announced by the team, not announced by anybody in the media, announced by Joel Hanrahan himself. He's like, I'm gone. I want everybody to know that I don't want to be part of this anymore. And it's really weird. Yeah. And then you have the media scrambling to interview him. And some of the guys, you know, were able to get some quotes from him and different stuff. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I resigned like two and a half weeks ago. Like, this, is, this isn't this is something new. Like, this dis- didn't just happen. It wasn't like I resigned today and decided to resign today. No, this happened like a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago. And on top of that, yeah, they actually wanted to keep me in the organization because they offered me a multi-year, you know, minor league coaching deal. And he's just like, I, you know, I thought there was other opportunities out there for me. But he even said that when he resigned two and a half weeks ago, those opportunities didn't exist. Those opportunities just popped up within the day or two before he announced. Yeah, and this is the weird thing. And and when... When I started to hear all about this, it brought me back to my time when I was doing morning radio years ago in the late 90s and the early 2000s, and I would have to negotiate contracts with radio stations, and I would do it all on my own, and then I would sign for a couple of years. Sometimes the money was guaranteed. Sometimes the money wasn't guaranteed. As I got better, it became more and more guaranteed, and I would run in these weird contracts, and I'm trying to figure out what that contract must have looked like for a guy to turn it down and resign. Before he had another job, you know, I mean, like one thought is I got offered a deal one time to do radio in Fort Myers, Florida, and it seemed like a lot of fun. It was on the beach. You know, they, they brought me down there like, oh, look at all the girls. I'm like 20 some years old. I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to live in Fort Myers, Florida and do rock morning radio. It's going to be awesome. Right. But when I looked at the contract, it was basically if I decided to leave at any other time with the exception of a two-day period once a year and there were all these stipulations that when I did leave the contract I had to have a job with somebody else it almost trapped you into being their property for like three or four years you didn't have any freedom anymore now did he get off or something like that and he was like well I don't want to be part of Pittsburgh and not have any other options so I'm leaving but on the other hand I once took a radio contract in Bakersfield California I took a renewal knowing full well that I did not like the renewal that was offered to me, that I was going to keep looking at something else, but I wasn't going to just leave and not have a job, right? I mean, like, it was like, we're going to offer you this. Well, I don't want this. Well, this is all we can offer you, but take it. And I could leave it at any time I wanted to, so I might as well get paid for a couple of months while I look for the other job, even though I didn't want the deal in the first place. So it's weird to me that anybody would say, I'm leaving and I'm going to leave my paycheck and I'm going to leave my job and I'm not going to have another job. Like, how much do you hate where you work to do that? Or was the contract that was offered to him so restrictive 
in what he could do in terms of maybe moving up in another organization. Like, could he not go and interview for another job if it was in MLB, if he signed that? And he was locked into the Pirates organization for so long that he was like, well, I might as well just resign. But it's just weird to me because you're basically saying, I'm going to get rid of my paycheck. I'm going to get rid of my job. I'm going to have nothing. And then I'm going to go look for something else. And that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, and I I don't really get it, Chris. It's it's just a weird situation. And there was we had our uh, one of our bullpen catchers, pitching assistants. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his name. It's it's butcher Heberto. away. Tis the season to butcher. <laughs> it's Heberto half of these people are on, drunk on, on, on eggnog, on dr- Craig. Half of them are <laughs> drunk on eggnog. Listening to the show right now, they're hammered. They don't care. Which is call them whatever you want to. All right, they don't care. What's his name? Herberto Andrade. That sounds close enough. Yeah, and he was he was with the organization for like 18 to 20 years. And he, you know, says he's leaving. And what do you know? A couple days later, it pops up that he's going to be a bullpen catcher in the Padres organization because they hired Francisco Cervelli as a catching coach. Right. Francisco was here like that. That's the type of stuff that it, you're going to see. Like that, I understand. The whole thing with Hanrahan, like, People are like, well, you know, maybe he wanted to leave. Well, if he wanted to leave, he wouldn't have sat there and listened to their offers without having other stuff on the table. You always listen to every offer. But the thing is, is that I just never walked away from something without knowing what I was going to have next. You know, unless somebody was going to put me into a contract where it was like, look, we gave you the offer. You've got 48 hours. If you don't sign it, we're going to fire you. You don't want to look bad by getting fired. Right. And the contract you signed, but I don't think that 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 wouldn't make a lot of sense. I think if they're doing that in the Pirates organization, you wouldn't get a lot of people that wanted to work for the Pirates organization, you know? Like, they would get a reputation of, like, don't get in there because they're trying to, like, basically lock you in and, and hurt your chances of advancing your career. So I don't think that that would happen. So, like, my initial reaction to this is he didn't like working for somebody in the Pirates organization. I might be nuts. I don't know anything about it. But when I hear a guy say, oh, yeah, I resigned three weeks ago and I don't have anything else lined up. And he just won an award for being a good coach. And you would think that he wants to keep doing this. Like, he's not just like opening up a, a Starbucks. Like, he's not going to become a franchisee. Yeah. He's, not, <laughs> he's been with us for five yeah. years. I mean, like he's not opening up a couple of McDonald's as an independent operator in some town. Like, he's not doing that. Like, unless he's getting out of baseball altogether, something rubbed him the wrong way to make him say, well, you know what? I just quit then. Right? I mean, like, it almost feels like it was like somebody said something to him or somebody told him something or something went along. And he's like, you know what? Forget this. And he just went home, which I can, which is fine. I mean, like, if that's what he did, fine. But I just don't think this was as smooth as it's being portrayed. Right? Like, there's something weird here. Yeah, and you already have the AAA manager gone. I mean, you fire the AAA manager, you have... John Nunnally, the the hitting guru, is still down there, but Joel Hanrahan was their pitching guru. So now you have two open spots in AAA, which, Chris, we were talking about before the show, people go, well, you know, minor league coaches, minor league coaches don't matter. Well, you know who they matter to? They matter to Ben Charrington. Because Ben Charrington has kind of like put his stamp on wherever he's been unable to set up good farm systems and or to develop them. When he was in Boston, set up one of the top farm systems and was a part of that building process and then continued it as the GM. When they brought him into Toronto to be the vice president 
of baseball operations. They brought him in there strictly to work on their development program. So if you're believing in what Ben Sherrington's doing, then you have to believe in his ability to do something within the development department, which they just had two development camps, which they invited the media down to, to basically show, look how we're doing things differently. And especially with, you know, the new pitching coordinator and John Hopper, who's only been around for about a year, you've got all this different stuff going on. And then all of a sudden you have Joel Hanrahan, who was, you know, your triple A manager where one of the triple A pitching coach, which one of the things that the pirates have always struggled with is getting guys who show up in triple A being successful at every other level and then getting them to make that last jump to the major leagues. You can't say that the minor league coaches don't matter. That's just one of the most, I don't know, asinine things I've ever heard come out of people's mouths where they're like, oh, Hanrahan left, pitching coaches don't matter, and in the same breath going, oh, do you see what Ben Charrington's doing developmentally in the minor leagues? That goes hand in hand. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms. Right now at creakybone.com. Maybe Mitch Keller broke him. Maybe Mitch Keller was such a frustrating (laughs) pitcher to deal with that he was just like, I can't fix this guy. I can't fix him. And he just like, he quit. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to figure this out. He's highly regarded in an organization that's got a new GM in it over the last couple of years. And that's uh, on the up and coming. And if these guys who are in the, who are the prospects develop, it's just going to make him look good. So it's just yeah. such a weird thing for him to say, I'm leaving. And it's not like Buck Showalter was hiring him to be the major league uh, pitching coach for the Mets. Cause didn't he just yeah. take that job? Like, I mean, if that happens, like if this show posts on Tuesday and then that gets announced, forget everything we just said. Now I get it. But unless yeah. that happens, I don't get it. Right. And I still wouldn't get it. Even if that happened. Cause I'd be like, well, show Walter could have probably just stolen him after he signed the deal. You know, he could have probably just delayed signing the deal for a couple of weeks. Why just quit? So yeah. I don't, it's weird to me, man. I don't get it. I, I know it's just, um, I know it's just a pitching coach in the minor leagues. I get that. But we've seen too many weird things now. We've seen weird decisions when it comes to managers down there. We've seen weird decisions when it comes now to a pitching coach down there and what he's doing. I, I, I understand the concern. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with being concerned when you're a team that is, one, relying on this system to produce good players so that this actually works, this rebuild or whatever it is that he's trying. It's a rebuild, okay? If you want this team to be good, you need a bunch of good players to come out of that. So yeah. if it's unstable, that is a cause for concern. And secondly, 
I don't see as many guys that are anywhere close to major league ready and being a core player on this team available right now in this minor league system as I feel I should. I feel like we're still really, really far behind. Like, like some teams, it takes three, four years to rebuild. This team's on the eight-year plan. And so you yeah. should be frustrated <laughs> when you see things like this. Yeah, because I, th- I think it was Rob Beer Temple from The Athletic that basically came out and said that the way that this is moving, it's looking like a seven- or eight-year plan, which... That's brutal. I mean, the Houston Astros did not take that long for their rebuild, okay? The Chicago Cubs did not take that long. The Chicago White Sox did not take that long. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the teams that have rebuilt over the years that have made it back to the postseason recently. The Padres didn't take that long, yeah. you know? Now, some of those teams throw money around like crazy, but not, I mean... There was also development in the minor leagues in which draft picks started to develop quickly and they were able to make moves where they traded some talent away to bring in other talent. Now, the only problem that the Pirates had was that they really didn't have like top end guys that were going to bring back three, four big prospects in a deal. When Charrington got in there, it wasn't like he had a piece that he could deal to get a ton of prospects, right? I mean, in fact, the only in fact, right now he actually has one. He could trade Brian Reynolds, and he could probably bring back like a starting pitcher. I would imagine. Like, how about this? Let's compare Reynolds as an outfielder and his talent to a recent trade that I just saw pop up because Adam Eaton was in the news for something. And when Adam Eaton was traded by the Chicago White Sox, he brought back Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Dane Dunning. Dunning was then flipped for Lance Lynn on that team. So that's the talent pool for one outfielder of the stature of Adam Eaton. Now, Eaton was older, and I don't think Eaton is as good as Brian Reynolds is right now. Reynolds was actually going to be more valuable. That's the kind of guy that you would deal to get back, you know, talent that within two, three years is all at the major league level and playing at a high level. You understand? The Pirates Pirates didn't have a lot of that. But I'm not saying you got to trade Brian Reynolds. I'm not saying that. So I kind of understand the idea of you didn't have any piece like that that you could trade to get back big pieces that were guaranteed to be coming back. But on the other hand, eight-year plan? Who has time for this? Are you What? I mean, like, I'm living in a world right now where I wake up and everything's normal, and the next day I wake up and it's absolute panic. Like, I mean, like, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you want me to get strapped in for eight years of a build? No! Like, five, I can't years, do that. five years from now, I'm like, I'm like knocking on the door of 50. I'm like, yeah, you kidding me? Listen, there's supposedly there's an asteroid passing by the Earth at around 2024 that they keep telling us is just going to barely miss us. But after the last 20 months, do you believe them? I don't know if I believe them. Okay, let's get this rebuild going. I don't know how many more years we got left here on this planet. Yeah, and it, it does look like a, a, a slow rebuild. And Chris, before the show, we were talking about the comments that were made by, by Derek Shelton about expediting, you know, development. And a lot of people have been breaking down, you know, kind of what that means. And I don't know if expediting development, you know, directly correlates with players being moved up through the system faster. Because even with... Ben Sherrington. And let's take, you know, our our next, you know, brightest star who's coming up, and, and that would be O'Neill Cruz. When Ben Ben Sherrington took over, O'Neill Cruz had just finished 
half a year in double A. When the before the pandemic was about to, you know, set us out for a 60 game season, Ben Charrington planned on putting O'Neill Cruz back in double A. He had announced it because there, I can remember this specifically because somebody like miswrote like triple A and people went nuts because it's like, oh my God, he's coming to triple A already. No, he was going back to, you know, he's going back to double A. He ends up at the alternate site, is on the 40-man roster, and at no point in time is it even like a whisper that he's even going to be called up, and he wasn't called up. And when the 2021 season begins, O'Neill Cruz is back down in double A. So for pretty much what would equate to be like two and a half seasons, he was in like on the same developmental path until he came back from his injury, changed his swing a little bit, hit the cover off the ball in Altoona, was promoted to Indianapolis, and at that point in time, it's the first time where the AAA season is going along with you know the Major League season. It would have normally been over, so he wouldn't have got that promotion, and we wouldn't have seen you know some more home runs at Indianapolis, and then he gets caught up for two games. So people that are thinking that a guy that's like just going to be starting out in double A this year, his, you know, development is going to be expedited to the point where he is coming in like halfway through the season. To me, it's just absolutely crazy. I know that a lot of people also use, and and Gary even wrote about this today, and I agree with him uh, to an extent with, with the Rodolfo Castro uh, coming straight up from, you know, double A last year and coming on. But I also look at all the injuries that had to happen for that to even be necessary. I mean, you pretty much had Philip Evans, you had Eric Gonzalez down, you had, you know, Cole Tucker had come off of being at that one month special hitting program with Jared Oliva. You had all this other stuff going on. And yeah, Rodolfo Castro came up and hit, you know, five home runs in five games. And that's like such a rookie record you know ever for a guy to to do that to start his career but he ended up batting like below 200 and ended up getting sent back down again and, and didn't finish the year great down in the minor leagues so a move like that was for me was like maybe even more out of necessity and normally wouldn't have happened in a year where you weren't having that much injury and you weren't having a bunch of players bouncing back from having a 60 game season or no season you know, and my other thing is, and I want to go back to this point that I made about, you know, building a team. They're not all built the same way, but I, I, I wanted to pull up while you were sitting there talking the Astros. And I, all I did was, you know, I just put into Google, how are the Astros built? Because I needed to refresh my memory, right? All right. Well, Correa and Bregman, along with Kyle Tucker, they were all picks in the draft. So first of all, you have to have draft picks work out. The no, they had the number one overall pick in 2012, which was Correa, the number two pick in 2015 in Bregman, and the number five pick overall in 2015 in Tucker. So first of all, you got to be terrible, and then you got to make your draft picks work out. Secondly, they didn't make any massive trades. Like they traded away like a ton of players against Zach Kreinke at one point. They picked up Jordan Alvarez with good pro scouting or at least minor league scouting to go get guys. They they filled in. But another thing that they went out did, and they they went and signed a few guys in free agency. And then they went and hit the international market. Jose Altuve is an international signing. And several of their pitchers this year alone, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, 
and Framber Valdez are all international signings. These are the things that, I mean, look, there is no one blueprint. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. There's no one blueprint for building a team. I talked about the fact that the White Sox had a player that they traded and they turned it into a bunch of prospects. They did that with a few players. They had high-end talent. Okay, the Pirates didn't have that. So what else are you going to do? I think what we're looking at here is we're looking at a team and we're all saying, okay, well, what, what are we doing? Like, when do we start to see this stuff develop? Because, yeah, you've had a couple of draft picks now. Yeah, you've had a couple of different things you could have gone and done. I don't see the international market developing for you. That's a concern for me. I, I think most teams that are good have really good international pipelines, and I don't see that. And that obviously is going to take years to build. But then if you can't do that, then you got to go find another way to do it. You do it in the draft, you do it through trades. I guess what I'm looking at here is I'm saying, you know, I don't see the talent pool in the minor leagues that makes me think this is happening, especially not this year, but not I, it's not happening in 23. 24 now, I think, may be the first time that I could believe it could happen, and that's only if I see real progress right now coming up in this season. If I see real minor league progress, I might start to believe in 24 that you could have a, 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 like a competitive team. So I, I get it. I get where... Pirates fans are nervous, and then they look at these weird things happening in the minor leagues with, you know, guys who are supposed to be developing players, and they go, huh, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, Chris, it's it's a it's a weird situation. And I mean, you also had like if if you think about like, you know, the 2021 minor league season, you had injuries to, to Nick Gonzalez, you had injuries to O'Neill Cruz, to Rowanzi Contreras to Carmen Majinski, to Michael Burroughs, like anybody that maybe could have made a a preemptive leap at some point in time, like missed time in in their season. So then like I don't know, like when they're talking about like this this, you know, expedition or ex- expedited process, you know, to to get these players up here, but then you also have I mean, I know that there's expendable guys within this. Like, people could say, oh, you know, Cole Tucker's expendable. You know, Kevin Newman's expendable. Uh, Anthony Alford's expendable. And Greg Allen's expendable. But then you still have, in AAA this year, at least three to four guys at the middle infield and three to four guys in the outfield that you kind of want to see how they develop as well and don't want to overlook them because you are going to have to do so much building from within your own system that you better make sure that if you're, you know, moving on from a guy that you've given him every opportunity possible, especially when you choose to protect some of them on your 40 man roster. I mean, this is going to be a, a very important year for this minor league system. And it's just kind of crazy to think that, I mean, we agreed with the AAA manager firing. He also moved on to San Diego. I'm pretty sure he's going to be a minor league coach out there. But we kind of agreed with that one because we thought that was a long time coming. The Hanrahan one just throws me for a loop in that aspect is that you're basically putting so much importance in your minor leagues and two of your, you know, guys who are at the top of your minor leagues are now gone. Like, to me, that's very weird. Here's the thing. Uh, your catcher of the future is Henry Davis. You don't have a first baseman of the future. You got Gonzalez and Cruz likely in your middle infielder. 
Uh, you got uh, Brian Hayes over at third base. Uh, you're going to have uh, Brian Reynolds in the outfield, you're hoping. And then after that, when you're looking at outfielders, they are pretty thin. I mean, even in their own organization, their highest rated outfielder right now in the minor league system is at 11 in their organization in Lonnie White. You got Hudson Head. You got Swaggerty in there as well. You got Kel Mitchell. Uh, you know, you got Andy Rodriguez if they end up making him more of an outfielder than a catcher. But there there are some things like, I mean, think about it. You're thin. I mean, Peguero's down there as well. He could be a middle infielder. That's the one thing you're like, well, you got a little bit of depth at middle infield. You don't have a lot of t- a lot of big arms that people are sitting around going, oh, man, well, look out for the Pirates. They got four or five arms down there in the minors. They really don't, you know? So you you got an issue with your arms. You, you've got an issue with your outfield. And you're really hoping Henry Davis comes through or otherwise you got a real issue at catcher. And you're probably just sitting around right now. The only thing they could probably be confident in is, is, is that at some point in the next couple of years, they're going to have a good middle infield. You know, and they should still have Brian Reynolds, but they haven't extended him yet. So, I, look, there is plenty of cause for concern. And that's why I want you to drink extra spiked eggnog this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and just forget, I mean, Chris- about, forget about the Pirates till the new year. Because these people are not going to work on the, on the lockout, Craig. They're not. They don't care. They're all home. The billionaires are in their mansions. The millionaires are in their mansions. They're done. So don't worry about them. That's why we're going to take a break. And we'll be back in the new year. Until then, just let your brain rest a little bit from baseball. Don't worry too much about all the things that could go wrong in this rebuild with the Pirates and all the warning signs that we're already seeing. You know, just sit back. Have some extra spiked eggnog. Relax. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us when we come back in the new year. Sound good? Yeah, and hope that uh, Quinn Priester and Carmen Majinski and Michael Burrows and all these guys hit because the depth that we thought was in Greensboro last year really didn't take a step forward this year. Yeah. If anything, it stayed pat and maybe took a little bit of a step back yeah they got it they got to start to develop if they don't develop this is all for nothing and then you just have like a middling uh then you also have a what are you gonna do you got to rebuild the minor league team before you get to the oh my god it's too many rebuilds for me it's too many another eggnog make it a triple now i see the changes in this town they change they say one thing but then the next day 